When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Alright, we are now back with a season recap for Burnley. Of course, we have on uh, Jamie Smith, who you can find on Twitter at Jamie Smith Sport, uh, and also he writes for Omnisport News, uh, so be sure to go check all of his content out over there. Uh, Jamie, obviously, the overarching umbrella of the season is, oh my gosh, what an incredible season. You started the season beating Chelsea and then ended up in the Europa League spot. But I'd be remiss not to mention most recently that Burnley actually kind of limped towards the end of the season here, dropping points in each of the last five. What did you make of this kind of final stretch, and, and does it give you any concern? Yeah, it's not been the perfect way to end the season, I suppose. But ultimately, I think it's it's inevitable that once six once seventh place, sorry, was secured, there was a bit of a drop off. We obviously got heavily beaten Arsenal. The last game against Bournemouth, we really shouldn't have lost that game. A couple of defensive lapses that were very unlike us, really all season, cost us what should have been a win. Um, but I think I think you see a lot of the clubs in the league have done the same and sort of ended with a bit of a whimper rather than a flourish. Teams that were trying to just stay up once they've done that tend to just switch off. You see that every season, really. Um, so not really a concern. I remember the end of last season when we were really poor the last couple of months and I think we finished 16th. My concern was that that bad form would sort of overflow into the next season. You see this quite often, that if teams end badly, they then start badly. And then, like you say, we went and won at Chelsea on the opening day and just had an incredible season. So I don't think there's really any concerns from that. I think it's just um, natural that the players sort of took their foot off the gas a little bit at the end. It's a shame that we couldn't have pushed on and done even better, but seventh place in the table is much, much better than anyone could have expected or dreamed about at the start of the year. So everyone's incredibly thrilled and just waiting for the Europa League draw now and then I think it'll start sinking in for people when they start being able to pot where they're going to go around Europe. Yeah, obviously a phenomenal achievement making the Europa League spots finishing seventh in a year where uh, I have to confess, and this is to all the Burnley fans, which is particularly painful, that I actually had you in a relegation spot uh, in my preseason prediction. So uh, very, very uh, (laughs) poor estimating on my end for sure. Uh, Obviously in such a phenomenal season, there's loads of highlights that particularly stick out. What were your best moments of the season for Burnley? I think the Chelsea win was a big one because we've been so poor away from home. All season last year, there was such a big thing made of the fact it took us so long to win a game away from home. Um, the previous seasons that we'd had under Dash in the Premier League away from home, we've been very, very poor. So to be 3 0 up at half time at Chelsea, I think that was a bit of a, a sign that maybe this season was going to be a bit different. Um, holding Manchester City at home, that was a big moment. Not many teams managed to do that. They got 100 points, probably one of the best teams in Premier League history, and they couldn't beat us at the turf. Um, I think that was probably one of our better performances. The goal we scored at Everton, 
Jeff Hendrick finishing off, I think it was 31 pass move or something. I think that was a, a real turning point for people's perceptions of Burnley as not just being a team that lumps it and tries to win second balls. We still do that a bit, but we showed over the course of the season that we are capable of keeping the ball on the floor and scoring very well-crafted goals. Our goal against Bournemouth at the weekend, for example, very well made, all right, a little bit lucky the way Wood sort of sticks his foot out and turns in a, a miss-it shot, but the construction of the goal was very good. Um, and there was a few goals like that throughout the season. Um, in terms of my favourite goal, I think it has to be Stephen Defoe's free kick at Manchester United, an unbelievable strike from one of my favourite players of, of modern times, Stephen Defoe. Whenever he plays, I can't quite believe that he's playing for us because it looks like he should be playing for, for an elite club, really. But then the fact that he got injured for the end of the season is probably an indication of, of why he's at a Burnley that he's can't quite rely on his fitness. But a phenomenal free kick to beat David De Gea from that sort of range. It has to be absolutely perfect. And, and that's really what that free kick was. Yeah, obviously all positives come with uh, retrospective negatives as well. Uh, what what moments were you kind of questioning uh, uh, your season here? Yeah, I think we didn't really make the most of the, the cup competitions, I think it's fair to say. But seems to be a bit of a, a trend throughout Dash's time at the club that we don't really value these these opportunities. The FA Cup, you can't really say too much about this year because we drew Man City away first up and that's the hardest draw that you could have got. Even then, we gave it a bit of a go. Ashley Barnes got a very good goal, so... Um, we had a bit of a crack at it, but I think cup competitions are probably the main weakness Dash has shown during his time at the club. The season before this one, we lost to Lincoln in the FA Cup fifth round, should have been in the quarterfinals. Lost to Accrington in the FA Cup as well, so it was a similar story this time. Mm. Um, we also managed to go 11-12 games without winning in the middle of the season. So still finish seventh and go for nearly third of the season without winning a game. It's quite remarkable, really, and probably... Probably a demonstration of the the chasm between the top six and the rest. To finish the best of the rest, a huge achievement. But then the way that we were destroyed at Arsenal last weekend is an indication of the the big gap that there is there still to breach. And if there is any hopes and dreams of becoming a top six club, there's an awful lot of work to do in that regard because you can't be losing 5-0 to your rivals and going 12 games without a win if you're going to be aiming for that. Yeah, uh, d- obviously a disappointing run, but as we said before, all that a little bit moot considering the achievements that you managed uh, at the end of the year. Um, we spoke uh, a little bit to our Liverpool guest about kind of the addition by subtraction when Coutinho was removed, just kind of forced other people to step up and the team unity was a little more defined. I'm just curious to hear if you think that that maybe is what happened uh, when you uh, lost Robbie Brady with his injury. Maybe a little bit. Um, I think it's hard to say. Obviously, Aaron Lennon came in in the January transfer window, so still gave us two strong options out wide. Um, I think Gunmanson has been slowly stepping up to become a really dangerous creative player. I was looking at some of the stats over the, the last week, and I think he ended with eight Premier League assists, which is the same or certainly comparable to Riyad Mahrez. This was before the weekend. Mahrez probably got more than him now and Meza Ozo, who were regarded as two of the best creative players in the league, and they were posting similar figures to Gunmanson. Um, so there's no doubt that he steps up, whether it's because Brady wasn't there and he had to take more responsibility. It's really hard to tell. Um, 
personally, I'm looking forward to next season having Brady fit again, having Brady Goodmans and Lennon as as wide options. I think that's a really strong set of wingers to have for a club like Burnley and, and good variation in there. But also really looking forward to seeing good Munson at the World Cup this summer. There's not going to be many Burnley players on show. Um, Iceland obviously did really well at the Euros, knocked out England on the way to the quarterfinals. Good Munson looked pretty good there. That was just before we signed him. Um, and yeah, I think he's he's got the potential to be one of the players who's a bit under the radar, who really sort of shows what he can do at the World Cup. And the fact that we managed to get him to sign a new contract just before he goes... I think it's a real boon to us because if he'd gone to the World Cup yeah. and lit it up, I think Cubs would have started to pay attention to someone who, like I say, under the radar on low key, he's been extremely effective in the Premier League this season and I think he keeps getting better. Yeah, Goodmanson's development was certainly one of the individual highlights of the season. Another player that really stood out was Chris Wood. It's it's a long time since we thought uh, Andre Gray leaving was going to be a detriment for your club. Wood ends up with 10 goals for you this year. Uh, just how impressive have you been since he came to the club? I really like Chris Wood. I've got to say, when we signed him, I wasn't hugely convinced. I hadn't watched an awful lot of Leeds United in the Championship, but it's always difficult to, to tell if someone who scores a lot of goals in that league is going to do it in the Premier League because it can be a big jump and some players seem to adapt really well and others just doesn't happen for them. They find the, the step up in quality to be too much, but... That Chris Wood scored 10 Premier League goals in his first season at that level, um, having only really had brief opportunities with Leicester, I think, in the Premier League before, I think is a real indication that the timing was right and he's the right player for the fit that fits our system really nicely. You look at the players that, again, comparing him to, he's got 10, one less than Alvaro Morata, who cost Chelsea £50 million. So to be in that sort of company... Is, is an indication of, of how well Wood's done this season. You've got to also keep in mind that he, he had injury problems as well, like Morata. I think he started 20 Premier League goals and scored 10 goals. Started 20 games and scored 10 goals, which I'm not great at maths, but that's a pretty good record. I think that's one <laughs> in two. That's pretty good. That's not bad at all. Um, so he's, he's in very good company in the stats and I think um, he's end of the season looking in good form as well so hopefully he's going to be able to stay fit he's had a couple of niggling injuries that have kept him out for a couple of weeks here three weeks there the fact that he's New Zealand international and he was travelling awful long way to play in their World Cup qualifying campaign I don't think that really helps um, that you've got all, all the travelling during the international breaks I think that affected him a little bit during the first half of the season so I'm really excited to see an on-form fit and firing Chris Wood next season because I think he's got the potential to really take the Premier League by storm. My prediction already is that he gets at least 20 goals in all competitions, although admittedly he could get a few in the Europa League against some Polish plumbers or something in the qualifying rounds. But I, reckon <laughs> he'll get 20, I think he'll get 20 in all competitions. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, kind of sticking with uh, individuals, uh, Marnie and Arfield are both leaving. We spoke to um, Gitto a little bit with Swansea about how they kind of lost their identity over their seven-year Premier League tenure. Is there any concern that their departure could kind of make Burnley lose a little bit of their identity? I think it's going to be one of the challenges that the club has over the next, if not the next season, the next two or three seasons, that players like Marnie and Arfield have played such a big role in Burnley getting into the Premier League twice and then staying up and establishing ourselves really as a as a Premier League club now. Marnie didn't make an appearance this season, I don't think, because he's, he's had so many problems with injuries and Arfield as well towards the back end of the season didn't really play. Um but these players have been crucial for the last five years or so. So they're going to leave a big hole. And I think it is difficult when you get to this sort of level that you need to to keep what the club has been all about and keep the sort of philosophy that the players have and that the manager has and that permeates through the squad. But you have to do it then without the players who've been there all that time. You've got to consider Tom Heaton as well. He's the same sort of group involved in two promotions had to sit on the bench with Nick Port being so good there's a chance that Heaton might not be there next season so you're looking at Marnie, Arfield, Heaton potentially three players who've been mainstays really of the Daesh era might not be there next season I think they are going to leave a gap not just in terms of what they bring on the pitch but off the pitch as well in the dressing room these are big characters important players to have around helping everyone to settle in telling everyone what Burnley's been all about. And I think you're right, it's it's making sure that everyone still buys into fully what Burnley are all about. And I think that's going to be the challenge in terms of recruitment. We're obviously going to have to add to the squad's cup with the Europa League. That's going to be difficult because Dash prefers to work with a small squad. He doesn't like having a lot of players. He's not one for rotation, but he's going to have to learn to do that. So I think that's it's going to be really interesting to see how he and the club cope with that. Yeah, what other players might be uh, finding themselves near the exit door come the uh, come the end of the transfer window, which for people should know does happen before the start of the season this year? I don't think we'll be looking to move too many on, really. Like I say, I think we've got to hope that we get to the group stage of the Europa League, so we have to build a squad that will be ready for that. Um, personally, I, I don't want to use the Europa League as like a reserve competition. I'd like to see us have a real crack at it and go as far as we can just because might not happen again. I don't really see the point in prioritising the league to try and qualify for the Europa League again when you're already in the Europa League. Prioritise the Europa League. That not makes to throw sense too to much shade, but the West Ham special. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're not the only club that's done that, sort of qualified and then thrown it away to concentrate on the league again. It's, it doesn't really make sense to me. Um, I wouldn't expect us to be in a relegation next season, a relegation battle next season anyway, but... If we were, I would trade a run in the Europa League for staying up because we can just get promoted again. A season in the Championship wouldn't be a big deal. Um, it's, I don't think it's anything to really panic about. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think we're going to be losing many. 
There's a couple of players who came in last summer that it hasn't really worked out for. Players like Phil Bardsley that had a few games in the team when Matt Lawton had an injury, but Lawton's back in. It's difficult to see how Bardsley's going to play many games next season. Naki Wells similarly came in. He's not really played, hasn't scored a goal. Um, John Walters had his season ruined by injury, didn't really play, hasn't scored a goal. Um, so these players might have opportunities in some of the cup competitions, perhaps, or with the rotation that's going to be necessary as a result of the Europa League. But we are going to need a bigger squad, so I think it will be more about incomings than outgoings, really. Um, as always, the club like Burnley have to worry about losing the star players. I think one of the benefits of what we've built is that there aren't really star players. A year ago, Michael Keane probably looked too good for us. The fact that he's gone to Everton and had a disaster, really, from a player who set to go to the World Cup potentially as a starter. He's not going to be anywhere near the squad now. He struggles to keep his place at Everton. It's just not worked out. I think that's a real... That's a real sign to some of our players that you might get the big move, but there's no guarantee that it's actually going to be beneficial for your career. So someone like Tarkovsky, who's been linked with a big move now, might look at Keane and think, am I better off staying at Burnley? Ben Mee, the same. There's been stories, his contract's running down, there's been stories he wants £80,000 a week, which I don't believe for a second. But similarly, does he look at what happened to Michael Keane and think, you know what? I'm better just staying at Burnley. I fit in well here. It works. Um, so I think there'll be speculation about some of our players, but hopefully we'll be able to keep hold of certainly all the ones that have played such a key role this season. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that you'd probably be more looking at people to bring in for depth than, than sell. What positions do you think you would try to uh, bolster uh, heading into your Europa League campaign? Um, it's hard to say. I don't... I also think there's a lot of positions where you look at them and think, yes, we definitely need to upgrade there. Dice has spoken about being more about adding layers to the squad, which is a very Dice way of putting it, but he's right, really. It's more about trying to make sure that if someone's missing, there's someone of a similar quality to come in. Um, a good example of this is Ashley Westwood, who came in as a squad player. I didn't rate him particularly highly. I thought it was a bit of a pointless signing. He was just going to sit on the bench and not really play. Stephen Defoe got injured and he's come in and done a really good job in midfield. He's been one of our better players over the second half of the season. And I've got to put my hands up and say I didn't really expect that to happen. So I think the idea is that if someone does get injured or suspended, that there's someone who can come in and do a good enough job that it's not like you're thinking, oh, we're really missing Stephen Defoe or without Robbie Brady, we don't have any creativity or Chris Wood's out and we don't have a goal scorer. So I think it's going to be more about adding as much quality as we can across the board. In terms of a specific position, the only one that really looks desperately in need of strengthening is centre-back. That's because we've only got three, so we've been one short anyway. It's not a question of we need one for next season, we needed one for this season, we just didn't get one. Um, and I think it's been clear over the last few weeks of the season with Ben Mee injured, Kevin Long's just not really up to it. It was unlucky mistake at the end of the Bournemouth game, but also indicative of just a, a general lack of quality. I want well, nothing against the lad, but he needs to be fourth choice next season instead of third choice. So if I had one priority, I think it would be a new defender. All right, and I just wanted to wrap uh, quickly with a, a conversation about Sean Dyche. Other people can try to link him away from the club. It seems he, he's very happy where he is. What I want to know is if he did anything differently this season than last season that saw you rise up to the table so quickly. 
I, I think he's shown that he can be a bit more versatile this season. Mm. When you look at our previous Premier League seasons, it's been very much we've played 4-4-2 almost the whole way through, unless we've been forced into doing something else because of personnel. This season, we seem to have mixed it up a lot more than before. Um, There's there's been a general uplift in quality throughout the squad as well. You look at someone like Chris Wood coming in, who's our best striker, I think, by probably some distance. So that makes a difference. It brings up standards throughout the squad. Um, And I think you could probably say that about a couple of the players who've come in over the last couple of years. But I think it's also, it's forgotten a little bit because he doesn't seem, he doesn't, have the perception of being a really young manager, but it's it's still only Dash's second job. He only had one year in management before he came to Burnley. He still only had about six years as a manager. He's very inexperienced compared to some of his peers. So he is going to keep learning things. And I think one of the things that he has learned this season is that tactical flexibility. I'd like to see a bit more of it in-game. It's still very much when he makes changes, it's like for like a big striker comes on for a big striker or a running winger comes on for a running winger. I'd like a bit more, a bit more creativity maybe from Dash in, in what he does during games. But the fact is the tactical setup normally works. So it's understandable. He doesn't have a lot of backup plans to go to, but I do think that's, if you're going to be like an elite club, I think that's one of the things you need to be able to do, playing various different ways and surprise the opposition and also react to what the opposition manager's doing. So that's maybe one of the things that he needs to do. In terms of the things he's been doing this season, I think it's just more of the same, really. That's the beauty of what Sean Dyche does at Burnley. It's no shortcuts, just hard work and everyone knowing their jobs, everyone buying in completely to what they need to do. No one slacking off, no one switching off, no one not doing what they should be at any point. So as long as everyone keeps doing that and keeps following the path that Sean Dash sets out for the club, I think there's no reason why we can't continue to move forward. Yeah, when you say move forward, especially as we look into 2018-19, would you expect to move even further up the table next season? As you mentioned, I know you want to focus more on cup competitions, including your Europa League campaign. What do you think we can expect from Burnley, and what are you hoping for as a fan? It's it's difficult to make predictions. I mean, a year ago, who would have said Burnley finished 7th in the Premier League? So it's almost uh, setting yourself up to look a bit foolish by making predictions. Um, I think what you see in the Premier League this season is that there has been a massive gap between the top six and the rest. We sort of bridge that gap a little bit, but you'd expect some of the clubs below us this season to maybe be stronger. Like so Everton, Leicester, who had disappointing seasons, you'd think would probably be better next turn. They might have new managers. There's clubs like Wolves coming up. Everyone's talking about Wolves being a top-half team next season. Whether that happens or not, I don't know, but it's another club that could potentially overtake us. Um I think it would be very difficult for us to finish even higher than we did this season. The gap just seems to be too big. And like I say, the the game at Arsenal where it's not even a good Arsenal team, but we were just absolutely taken apart. And okay, that was just after we'd had it confirmed that we're in the Europa League. So we'd had nothing to play for at that point. But the gap in quality was alarming in that game. And that's, that's the gap that we have to try and close. It's going to be a massive challenge, but... Leicester won the Premier League so 
weird things can happen. I'm not saying Burnley are going to win the Premier League, but... I don't know. It sounds like that's what you're saying. Who (laughs) knows? Who knows? Someone could win the Premier League that comes out of absolutely nowhere. And I think as football fans, you have to... You have to dream a little bit. Why can't Burnley win a cup? Why can't Burnley go and finish in the top six? Why not? Yeah. Well, certainly be fascinating to see how you play next season. Hopefully, uh, you do have a fruitful campaign in Europe. I know uh, even Swansea, even though I don't think they made it out of the group stage, still had a fantastic time, and I'm sure Burnley fans will make the most of their time abroad. Uh, Jamie, an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Uh, Tell the folks where they can find you. Yeah, if you really want to hear more about me blabbering on about Burnley, Twitter's the best place to do so. Mm. Um, you can follow me at Jamie Smith Sport, where I'll tweet links to various things that I write for various people. Yeah, all right. Thanks again, Jamie. Really appreciated it. Always a pleasure speaking with no you. I'm sure we'll speak soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.